0: This is the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. This is why it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday football podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, across the way is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, another week of college football in the books. Another week of NFL in the books. Thanksgiving is upon us. How are you doing this evening, my friend?
1: This last weekend was a little bit of a scary one for, you know, a lot of players, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of folks like interested in following these stories. You know, I think we just mentioned, you know, a weekend of injuries and it, you know, it bit the fantasy world, you know, with early exits, it bit the draft world with, you know, potential big names, you know, getting some scares here. And um, hey, look, I think a lot of folks will have uh, something to be thankful for. Um, some, you know, I think we'll talk about the impact, but, you know, we're gearing up for some holiday travel and, you know, it's a little bit of football all weekend, stretch it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's always a great time of the year. And I think it was, I think it's maybe as early as next year, the NFL is planning on putting a game the day after Thanksgiving on Black Friday. So they're just, it's just going to be always set up now for a weekend of football from Thanksgiving through Sunday. Uh, during uh, the Thanksgiving season. It's always going to be a fun slate of games for sure. Let's get right into it with the NFL Draft Stock Report uh, for this week. And unfortunately, Hendon Hooker, who was still right near the top of any Heisman list, had pushed his way into maybe late round one, more likely early day two draft capital suffered a devastating injury, torn ACL, season's obviously over, and now the big picture becomes, where's his draft stock go? We're talking about a guy who was already going to be a 25-year-old rookie. There were already questions about that. And we said, you know what, maybe in the pre-draft process, one team falls in love with him, and, and that really even catapults stock higher than what is even playing the field did this year. But now this injury on top of the age, on top of him being a late breakout in college, You know, a guy who does rely on his athleticism, not that he doesn't have the arm talent to make plays that way as well, but his athleticism is definitely a component of his game. Uh, Jeff, just let's talk for for a second. Thoughts on what this might do. Do 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 we think day two is still a possibility? Do we think now we're talking more of an early day three flyer uh, with a guy who's going to be 25 There were already question marks, but now a torn ACL. He'll be out of commission for the whole pre-draft process. You know, obviously, he can do things on the whiteboard and stuff in meetings, but but nothing on the football field.
1: I mean, you kind of look at him as a developmental player now, and you know, as you're not really entering the NFL at 25 as a developmental player. I I'm really sad about this one because I don't know how. I don't know how a team can really justify top 100 pick on this point at this point. I mean, he's played really well. There were still some questions and we alluded to them last last week and you know, you're not going to have him um, for a year, right? Like this is a late season ACL at this point. Um we we've seen that you know, for the elite players like Jameson Williams it doesn't matter and and if if teams see you as you know, a top-level NFL athlete, a top-level NFL player, they'll they'll still go for it. But I just think there were too many questions on Hooker for us to really feel confident um, in, in kind of keeping that hype going. And it looks like it'll be one of those ones where I hope he's able to make it out, you know, through an NFL career, you know, however he works his way through it. You know, I don't know that we're looking at stardom right now, but you know, we've seen Geno Smith resurrect his career at 31, right? That would be almost kind of the path that Hooker takes without the, you know, early career ups and downs that that a guy like Geno had.
0: Yeah, and I think now you start thinking about maybe like there's certain teams that like, you know, if Tom Brady was to come back for one more year, like would Tampa Bay take a chance somewhere like on round three or a team like if Green Bay was not going to give Jordan Love a second contract and Aaron Rodgers was still there would a team with maybe an older quarterback or a team that maybe is playing with a quarterback like I'm just using the Giants for an example, say they franchise tag Daniel Jones, you know, and then it does Brian Dable and Joe Shane look at Hooker as like a late round three pick they got they got that pick from like kansas city right at the end of round three you know it's going to be like 100 or 105 whatever that range is of that complimentary pick Uh, you know, there's a team in that range maybe say, yeah, he's not in our plans for next year, but maybe we get him in the building and we start getting a a leg up that we know we might be looking at the quarterback market next year, and we at least add this guy to the mix and and see what we – in the building. I think that's now the best-case scenario, and that's really unfortunate, uh, you know, for where his trajectory was going, even if there were some holes and and things that we were able to kind of – even this weekend, you know, he was – Tennessee was having their struggles in that game more on the defensive side, but even hooker had moments where he couldn't keep up with what was going on. So I think he was never going to make it to round one, but I did think he was going to be in that early to mid round two mix. And now I think we kind of got to wait and see Uh, Jeff, any quarterbacks that you kind of want to bring up that, you know, um, now that we talked about hooker.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple that, you know, we could touch on. I might, you know, pick one, if you guys, if you want to kind of pick through one or two of the others, um, you know, Richardson, 400 passing yards and three touchdowns. We had a Spencer Rattler signing, uh, signing doing, you know, an amazing 30 for 37, 400 yard, six touchdown game and a big win. Um, and then just another Will Levis game where, you know, it was 20 of 31 for two Oh six and one. And, you know, I do think we've touched a little bit on Levis last week too. I, I think we kind of hit him a little bit hard and said, again, I don't know if i if i see it really well and um it sounds like nfl teams are convincing themselves to draft them and so that's just the going to be the interesting conversation i don't think we need to belabor the point too much so maybe i'll touch quickly on spencer rattler and and if you want to touch on levis or richardson or or kind of counter on rattler let me know but look I, rattler always had you know special traits And even last year before he got benched, he was up and down and and he showed, you know, elite play followed by just absolute blunders. And, you know, what I would want to see from Rattler is just consistent measured play. And I love when a guy can put things together in a game like this, but it also has to be under, you know, when things get challenged. And, you know, I, I'm glad he's, he's out there saying, don't forget about me. I mean, we just lost Hendon Hooker. We're going to be looking for quarterbacks to kind of fill in the void of the excitement of who would round out our top five. And, you know, Rattler certainly has some pedigree behind him. But it's one of those ones where, in my mind, he's got to actually prove to me that he's past the struggles from last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, in terms of Rattler, it was nice to see that, especially against Tennessee, and it kind of did show why we were so high on Spencer Rattler, and so many people were high on Spencer Rattler last year but it's like, can he put that together? Is it just a blip on the radar? Can there be more consistency? I think that's kind of what we're looking for. And and that can be be said about a lot of guys. And, you know, one guy that I I did want to bring up again, because I did watch a lot of that Ohio state game versus Maryland. And I watched CJ shroud and I I was having a conversation with Matt today, you know, obviously, you know, hasn't had a chance to be on air in, in quite some time, but you know, we still talk from time to time and, You know, CJ Stroud to me is going to be such a fascinating NFL conversation because what does the NFL teams think he is in terms of his ceiling? Because he doesn't have special arm talent. He's not, he doesn't, he's got average to above average arm talent. He's got average athleticism. And right now he's not a, an elite processor. He's not an elite reader of the football field. So like, I, I I, I'm struggling a little bit with what his elite level traits are. It's like, I look at him and I'm starting to think a little bit better version of what I thought about Mac Jones or Kenny Pickett. And, and, you know, he plays in one of the friendliest schemes in college football with elite receivers. And we just haven't seen many quarterbacks come from the NFL, come from the college ranks without rare athleticism or good athleticism and really good arm talent or great arm talent. And I don't know what teams look at him and think he could be. And I struggle with that. Like, you know, Bryce young, I think they think elite problem solver on a level of maybe, Early career, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, right? Those are some of the names thrown around for Bryce Young. But I don't know. I don't know a good comp for CJ Stroud because you, you can't comp him to anybody that's got elite level arm talent because that's not him. He doesn't have elite athleticism. So every time I watch him, I, I question. I'm not sure, you know, Giants are going to be picking that high, but I'm not sure if I was an NFL team picking there to high at a draft, that's the guy I'd want to hitch myself to for the next and hope that he's my next, you know, franchise quarterback cuz I'm just not sure what skill sets of his I, I guess you can hold your hat on maybe like a Joe Burrow, like who who like with average athleticism above average arm talent, but Joe Burrow was just so good at manipulating the pocket, standing tall in the pocket. Those are question marks of CJ Stroud. So the CJ Stroud conversation, I think is going to be a really interesting one. I think it's going to pick up a lot of steam in terms of people talking about him once the college football season ends, if he struggles in the playoff. To me, it's one of the more interesting things that we're going to see down the stretch of this season and the pre-draft process. Cause I think there's going to be a lot of poking at CJ Stroud, uh, because of lack of high level traits he has, what do people think he is at the next level?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, I'll echo that a bit. I totally agree with you. Um, You know, I think like, Will Levis, I think people are putting CJ Stroud in because of the profile of what a quarterback looks like. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I, Think Stroud's a much better quarterback in my mind than Levis, mostly because I think you can be you can be a very effective quarterback, even at the NFL level, if you know how to distribute the ball. I mean, we maybe it's a little bit like Tua, right? You know, he got so many knocks for, you know, how he was overhyped as a prospect and you know, went really high in the draft, and people thought maybe he was something he wasn't. And he settles in and he's termed a game manager and he, you know, he he doesn't show elite traits that appear to be what you thought you would get from his time at Alabama. And then, you know, here he is with some good weapons. He knows how to get the ball to them. You know, he can run an explosive offense, you know, as a point guard. And I think, you know, if you're not, if you're not trying to make Stroud something, he isn't, I think an NFL team can be pretty happy. Um, But it's one of those things where, you know, I think we do have to be a little bit careful there.
0: I Um, I think that's spot on, Jeff. I want to say that's the perfect comp. That's the comp that if NFL teams, I think you're going to look at CJ Stroud. And if they're realistic, what you just said is the spot on comp in terms of, He could be what Tua is right now in Miami if you surround him with the right cast where he could be that distributor as he is at Ohio State, as Tua was at Alabama. I think that's going to be what NFL teams have to hold their hat on. If they think he's a guy who can lift like a a terrible team on his back, like a Mahomes, they're going to be kidding themselves. I just don't think that's. He's, I don't think he's that type of player. I don't think he has the athletic gifts to be able to do something like that. I think he's going to need a really good environment good structure, good play scheme, good receivers. And then he can be what two is this year in Miami. That's the best comp I've heard in terms of what Stroud could be. I'm not saying yeah. apples for apples, but in terms not of their of play usage. style,
1: exactly not their play style, but maybe who, what they can deliver from a team. And the sad thing is he's probably going to be a top five NFL pick. And and that's probably what they're going to ask him to be. Um, and you can't go to a place like Houston and, and elevate a pretty crumbly roster there. Um, um, let me keep us moving on, Yeah, um, you know, and, and we'll move over to the running backs, you know, and, you know, I think we have a note here, Blake Corum and a pretty good game left with a knee injury. I do believe, I think he returned at least it checked out. Okay. It wasn't our worst case scenario. Like I said, uh, be thankful for a little bit, not a torn ACL as far as I, I read, but it is something that like, let's monitor, you know, maybe it's something that, you know, Limits him for for a bit of the season here as, you know, they don't want to make it worse as he doesn't want to impact his draft stock by making a a slight injury into a major one. And then Chase Brown here, you know, in opposite the field at verse Michigan, 29 carries, 140 yards, two touchdowns. And I'm getting some pretty good buzz for Chase Brown, at least in NFL draft circles. He's really making a, you know, a push into the day two conversation um, and might even be a lock there, at least for, you know, a majority of, of prognosticators. I still think Chase Brown has some traits that teams are going to absolutely fall in love with and then start finding that there are some other pieces to his game that will limit his ability to be a absolute home run star you know, workhorse back for them, you know, at the NFL level, I, you know, I think kind of like, uh, uh, Chase Edmonds almost where, you know, he, if I remember from my scouting report, right. He is able to, you know, really react extremely well to this picture right in front of him, but not really see two, three moves down the road and manipulate things. And I think that's kind of something like we'd see with a guy like Chase Edmonds and, you know have good games and and be a good player, but I do think you know that's he's one of those players that I don't think he, he hasn't changed that for me as far as my opinion you know of him as a as a running back goes, but that doesn't mean that I don't think he should be a day two pick,
0: yeah, I mean I think chase Brown what was impressive is the amount of volume he's handled this year on a team that doesn't have a a good passing game. So teams know what they're going to try to do. I mean, they hung in there, you know, and almost upset Michigan this past weekend. And I think, I think he's on that round three round four border now, right? We've seen plenty of guys, teams are way more willing to invest as teams are less willing to invest first or early second round picks, unless they're like special, special talents. We're seeing teams now that are much more willing to invest third-round picks, late third-round picks, early, you know, day pre picks. You know, we saw a ton last year. I think we're going to see a ton again this year. I think Chase Brown is squarely in that mix Uh, yeah, good news on Coram. I know he left the game. He says, you know, there hasn't been like a formal, formal update, but he says he's going to be fine. I don't know if that means he's going to miss any time or he'll be okay, but it's definitely, he definitely avoided anything serious, which I think, you know, he's on the fast track of being right in that mix. We talked last week that I think he could be right there, RB4, RB5. Uh, day two type talent there as well. Quorum. I want to bring up Kenny McIntosh Nine, this past week for Georgia in that game, uh, you know, against Kentucky 19 carries, 143 yards, and one touchdown. Nice to see him doing it on the ground because we, we already know he's got the pass catching skill set. I think that teams are going to be intrigued with the NFL level. I think his overall skill set is going to intrigue teams. I don't think he'll be, I think, at best round three, but more likely day three. Uh, as a guy, you know, who can do both effective runner in space, but then also be a receiving threat out of the backfield. He obviously, you know, I feel like, you know, we always talk about the Alabama bump. I think that, I think Georgia's getting there now too, that like, if you're connected to Georgia, it just naturally, you know, increases your draft stock a little bit. Uh, he's going to be playing some big games. He's the type of guy that I could see making some big plays, you know, in the passing game, uh that resonate you know in the playoffs down the stretch of this college football season. So I think Kenny McIntosh is one of those guys where again if you're looking for a particular type of player, you know, a better running back version of Naheem Hines, right? Or or something along those lines. I think Kenny McIntosh could fit that bill. I think he could be a little bit better of a runner. I don't think he's strictly a pass catcher. I think that'll be his his best attribute. Uh And again, I I go back to Dame Brugler said that from before the season even started that he had some fans in the NFL circle uh, and then this year as being, you know, the best running back, even though it's not been Gaudy statistically, uh, he has been the best overall running back in, you know, for Georgia, I think will only help the cause if the NFL already was looking at him as a guy with intrigue. So why don't we take this over to the wide receiver, uh, Jeff, and kind of maybe get us started with somebody you want to highlight.
1: Yeah. And one final thought on Macintosh, it just, you know, we, we highlighted 19 for 143 this game and we highlighted in week one, nine for 117 in the, the receiving game, right? So he's really just shown it kind of like Jameer Gibbs had to do, you know, starting with the receiving and then picking up on the rushing load for Alabama, you know, they're doing whatever it is their team needs them to do. And, and so it's a nice diverse skill set from the receiver side. I'm just going to, you know, it, it's still been a really rough up and down class but jordan addison is really everything he's been advertised as he's the dude he 11 for 178 and 1 you know and a big win for for usc there you know again my only concern with addison is just either a how valuable is he going to be on the nfl field if he slotted into you know, an inside slot role, or B, do we just see something that we haven't really seen? And he can make that transition to more of an outside guy, somebody who can actually be a focal point without having to kind of be, you know, in scheme friendly spots. And so, you know, do I think any team that drafts them is going to get a great player? And I, I really do think that it's just really what is that What's the value? What's the merit for that? And, and how high does that mean he can get taken? I just, I don't think top 10 pick is in his ceiling range, unless some, unless the team really thinks that he's shown enough skills that he can, that he can kind of do a different job than he's been asked to do.
0: Yeah. I I think he could be in the top 20, top 25 mix. If Jahan Dotson was able to push his way to where he did, um, I think Jordan Addison, I you know, we know I'm a big fan of Jahan Dotson. I think Jordan Addison is a slightly a better prospect. I don't think it's leaps and bounds because I, I do really respect how good Jahan Dotson was and, and his skill set. But I do think Jordan Addison is a better prospect. And we saw what the NFL thought of Jahan Dotson, so I do think Jordan Addison will be one of the first three. I'll say wide receivers taken. I think will to be determined in, in terms of the order. I think I think enough teams are in the market for a wide receiver. But I think you said it what an NFL team thinks he can do at the next level. Remember Elijah Moore only played slot mostly at Ole Miss, but then, you know, I know this year it's, it hasn't gone well for him. But when he went to the Jets that first year, he played a lot outside and and very successful, you know, I might add. You know, and it, it quickly realized that, like, yes, in college, he was asked to mostly play in the slot, but there was more to his game. I think that's the question about a guy like Jordan Addison, right? Because there's going to be teams in the mix. Like, you know, again, I'll I'll bring them up just because they're close to the home here. The Giants are going to be looking for a wide receiver around one, and they're probably going to be picking somewhere in that like 18 to 24 range. But do they look at Jordan Addison and and do they want to add another smallish wide receiver? And that may be the Wandell injury and he won't even be ready probably for the early portion of next year. Maybe they look at it as they need wide receivers that, you know, inside, outside doesn't really matter. They just need playmaking weapons, you know, but but I do think other teams that have more in the cupboard than say the Giants, a lot of it will depend on what they think he could be at the next level. We know they move around wide receivers so much at the NFL game. Uh, but, but I think Addison has been the one guy who really has delivered from week one through now, every single week for the most part is delivered at the wide receiver position as we've had some ebb and flow of, of the other big names uh, this year. But Addison has been rock solid the whole year. Uh, I want to go back to that Ohio State-Maryland game because I did get some eyes on it. And I feel like we haven't really touched base on the Maryland wide receivers. I know we talked about them before the year started, thinking like how might things play out there. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett and, and Dante Dimas, you know, ho-hum game statistically this week, three for 65 for Jared and five for 67 for Demas, you know, Maryland played well, almost upset, you know, Ohio state, but I I do think that these guys are, haven't gotten a lot of attention, but they're going to start to see their names uh, regenerate a little bit in the pre-draft process. I think both of them, I think Jared will be in the in the day two mix, and I think Demas will be somewhere in, in that early portion of day three. But if he runs better than maybe people think, maybe even late day, uh, late day two. Uh, so I did want to bring those up quickly, just as two guys that we haven't talked a lot about. Jared was on a lot of people's top ten wide receiver list before the season started. I don't think he's really done anything necessarily to not still be talked about in that conversation. But he's another guy, right? Can he play outside? Uh, Is he more of just a vertical slot guy? I think those are the question marks NFL teams left to answer. And and it's fine if you're mostly a vertical guy and a slot guy because, you know, we see plenty of really good players in the NFL – mostly find their living there. And we serve, you know, Wandell Robinson, who more than any of these guys due to his size limitations, is strictly a slot type player, a space type player, you know, go in I think it was pick forty five or whatever. So even if even if NFL teams do view you just at that there's still a place for you to go in the top 50. So, so I, I think these guys, and we know there's good slot receivers, right? That's the one thing we say we know this draft class has is plenty of good slot receivers that can get vertical. Uh, so I, I did want to just bring up Jared a little bit there. Jeff, anything on the wide receivers before we kind of transition to one interesting tight end who I talked about in the summer, haven't talked about him since, but, but there needs to be a conversation had after his stat line this past week.
1: No, actually I really think you covered him well and and I'm with you on where I think the draft capital maybe is right now or and can be if depending on the off season and testing numbers.
0: Yeah, I and it's going to be fun to kind of see. I think some of these guys will separate themselves a little bit in the pre-draft process. Let's talk about South Carolina's Jaheem Bell. Obviously we know, we talked about Spencer Rattler before the performance, you know, South Carolina had against Tennessee but Jaheim Bell had 17 rushes for 82 yards in this game, and then five catches for 39 yards and two touchdowns. You know, this is a guy who was more of a jack of all trades, pass catching type move tight end. I thought he comped very much in the summer to Chig Okonkwo. Uh, I still think that might be the best comparison for him. We saw Chig do a lot of things at Maryland in his time in college. Uh, I think Jaheim Bell in in a class where, there hasn't been a lot of tight ends that have solidified. Right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, you know, Reed Gilbert still MIA basically. And, you know, there's Michael Mayer, and, and, you know, and there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, Croft that, you know, from, you know, South Dakota state. And then like, there's not a lot, right. There's the other kid from Georgia. Darnell Washington is mostly a blocker right now. But a guy like Bell is going to be interesting because similar to how some teams really liked the Conquo last year, I think that would be the same thing with Jaheim Bell, who's even got more pass catching, you know, uh, background in in terms of stats and production than even a Conquo had last year. I think someone in the early portion of day three is going to be intrigued by the versatile skill set of a guy like Jaheim Bell, who can be their move tight end, but can do things out of the backfield. Uh, so he's an interesting name that hasn't really generated much buzz during the college football season. I didn't know before the season he was in some top fives uh but but this kind of performance I think will put him on the spotlight a little bit more here as we go towards the home stretch. so do you have any thoughts on either Bell or maybe uh let's transition this right to the Debbie slam
1: yeah, I mean with tight ends at the college level very very rarely you know does are they asked to in college do absolutely everything an NFL team needs them to do? We know that learning curve is very steep. So really, you know, what tools do you bring? And, and athleticism is a great one. Um, you know, in order to just kind of be able to make a bit of a mark, you know, especially when you look at the stat box in like fantasy circles, um, moving on to the Debbie slant, you know, you know, let me take one, you'll take the other. Sure. We kind of have a couple, you know, uh, we can say it as it is. I, I I think it is a little bit of a stock down for these players, you know, relative to where the expectations were, because they were talked about potentially the top of the positions at their class. And, you know, I'll, I'll hit the running back here, Travion Henderson, you know, 11 for 19, you know, he had a 31 yard touchdown catch, but otherwise not making a huge impact in that game. I guess he was spotted in a walking boot, you know, Dallin Hayden had an amazing game. 27 carries, 146 yards, two touchdowns. I don't know if this is the injury that maybe was impacting him during the game. And I know Travion is an explosive player. And so something that saps, you know, that, that trait, you know, in the middle of a game, I I could certainly see a, a stat line like this coming, coming to fruition, but you know, I think in general too, and, and I did touch a little bit as a teaser last week, you know, we we talked a bit about space players, right? Guys who you know, make those highlight reel plays and and broken tackles in open space and take the screens to the house and weave in and out of the entire defense. I mean, that's a phenomenal play and it shows, you know, elusiveness and speed and, and those are things Travion really has. I don't know that we've really seen from Henderson enough to profile him as a full and complete back and you know when I've talked with a couple other you know Debbie folks you know in the fa- past few weeks and his stock has been on the decline in Debbie circles in general where he's not the universal number one guy at the position for that class, you know, people are high on Raheem Sanders, high on Braylon Allen, and you know, Quinshawn Judkins is certainly turning everybody's heads from the 25 class. And it's one of those ones where he, you know, for, he was looked at almost like Bijan's been looked at. And I I think that's a little bit too far. And we should have a healthy amount of skeptic skepticism about exactly how fully he will translate to the NFL. Like he will be an NFL skill player that makes impact plays along the lines of like a Travis ETN. But, you know, we, we saw ETN take a little while, you know, Deandre Swift, is the same boat. We see Jamal Williams being a major player in, in Detroit. And so, you know, I think with Travion, a healthy amount of skepticism is warranted.
0: And I'll say one thing about Travion before shifting to the quarterbacks is I know it's crazy because it's Ohio State and it's a great team, and but I wouldn't be stunned. I wouldn't be stunned if all of a sudden we get the Twitter alert that says Travion Henderson sometime in January has entered the transfer portal. I, I, I just wouldn't be stunned. I, I really wouldn't. He, there's been other guys there that have gotten, you know, Ohio State is not going to be this run oriented team. They, they live by the path. We've seen it now for years that, that, you know, that guys can be good running backs there and put up production. But Ryan Day's offense and, and the schemes and the receivers they have, that's always going to be their bread and butter. Wouldn't be stunned if he looks for the right spot, another big time program. And looks to maybe get somewhere where it's a little bit more run oriented. So, no inclination, no you know, no inside knowledge. Just just a hunch, just a guess. That I wouldn't be I wouldn't be stunned to see him maybe think about the transfer portal. See what's out there, uh, maybe a different landing spot to kind of jump jump start, you know, his 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 draft eligible year next year, uh, in a place that maybe just looks at him and feeds him and feeds him and feeds him, and he's the focal point of the offense. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be that surprised if, if that happens, but we'll see. I wanted to bring up, we talked last week how you know Drake May, Caleb Williams, if they were in this draft class, you know, they'd be they'd be looked at bond hired and Bryce young and and TJ Stroud. And I don't, I don't, haven't changed my mind in that, but I did want to bring up that, like, there's always this ebb and flow, right. Of like, these are young players, especially at the quarterback position. And now we've seen it from last year with Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler this year with, you know, Van Dyke and Will Levis and even more holes being poked at CJ Stroud and Bryce young. After all the praise we gave Drake May last week, what does he do this week? He goes out against a four-win Georgia team and he plays his worst game of the year, 16 of 30, 200 yards, no touchdowns and interception on a week that most people were probably expecting him to go like 304. Uh, So I did want to just bring it up as uh, it doesn't change what I think about him as an NFL prospect, uh, but these things have a way of these guys, these young players Still development to go. They have these ups. They have these downs, Is especially at the quarterback position, right? We saw Trevor Lawrence after his amazing first year. Really have an up and down, shaky, inconsistent year. Uh, we saw moments, you know, for, for many of the top quarterback prospects that they went through. So I wanted to bring up that with May, just as when we look ahead, we don't really poke as much as we do when they're draft eligible. And we just kind of really harpen in on the best attributes of them and the best games of them. And we don't really sometimes nitpick or critique the bad games. So I did want to bring that up. Drake may had his worst game of the year by far. Doesn't change what I think he could be, but it does show you that like these guys are going to have moments that they don't perform, you know, and it's not easy and they don't look like a flat out superstar uh, Caleb Williams has not had many of those moments. He's had a couple of games where it hasn't been great this past week. was unbelievable. 470 yards, two touchdowns in that, in that game against UCLA. But Drake Bay, I wanted to bring him up, really struggled this week. And again, I, I think it's one of those things where it's easy to always look ahead, look ahead. There's always going to be questions that arise that need to be furthered you know, looked in to, and next year we'll be doing that with Drake May, the same way we're doing it with CJ Stroud this year and Will Levis. And every other year we do that. Uh So I did want to bring that up, even though May is right there behind Caleb Williams as, as probably the clear top Debbie quarterbacks uh for sure. Do you have yeah. any, any thoughts it's on a, the quarterbacks?
1: It's a great point. And, you know, we say it all the time and we, and we press all the time and also just development isn't linear, right? I, I know we talked about how those two could pos- possibly be the, you know, one, two, if they were both in, but I'll really press the point. I'm okay going out on that limb with Caleb Williams. Like I I really do. I just, he's one of those players you can just, you watch a few plays of and you already have that confidence in. And it's not to say I'm only going to limit, you know, my viewing of him to a handful of plays, but you know, everything that I see after that is just further confirmation. Like, do I expect him to have a few bad games? I mean, yes. I mean, everybody does. Um, but Caleb Williams is, is that guy who, you know, we talked about Stroud, you know, Young has a lot of those stature questions, you know, I think, you know, Caleb Williams is, you know, as good of an improvisational guy as Bryce Young, you know, with the NFL size and frame and arm talent. And, and that's kind of, I think the differentiator right there. And, and so I'm willing, you know, I would be willing to sell out for Caleb Williams, I mean, as an NFL team, as a you know, as a fantasy or Debbie, like I would be willing to sell out for Caleb Williams wherever I could. Drake May, I do think has so much talent. I just um if we were to see a a moment like a Spencer Rattler kind of thing, I wouldn't it would surprise me because it's not what I'd expect. But at the same time, I I don't think that's unrealistic path of outcomes you know if we're wrong so why don't we just go to the rookie report here I'll jump right in I mean two wide receivers at the top you know I'll pass it back to you but you know Wandale was amidst a breakout nine catches a hundred yards and then left the field with a knee injury turns out to be a torn ACL you know his season's over you know our other favorite here Chris Olave, five for 102 and one and I might even just throw Pickens in here real quick just you know, four for eighty-three and a touchdown, looking great too. I'll I'll let you give give me your thoughts on Juan Dale. You know his his stock, what what the Giants might do with them. You know, there's a lot of interesting moving pieces to that puzzle there. You know, especially because he kind of dealt with injuries a little bit before. You know, but Alave and, and even to Pickens, just you know, they are the real deal at the wide receiver position for their teams. It doesn't matter. That they don't have quarterback play that can sustain them the same way, you know, other elite talents might be seen. You know, they are making an impact as players, as the best player on the offense, on the field for their teams. And I just don't really see anything that's going to hold them back. There's going to be growing pains, but they're legit. And, you know, they've shown each and every week they're legit that even, even with lulls in the season that's normal to any player and you know you come out you throw up 100 yards and and a touchdown and you know you're just amazing so I I mean credit kudos for Alave Pickens you know I know Matt was really high on Pickens I think he might have actually gotten both of them in one of the his rookie drafts which I thought was you know that's going to go great for Matt you know and um you know I I think that's if there's any chance you can kind of get them because they're on bad teams with questions on the, about the quarterback position. Like that would be the note that I hammer when I'm trying to buy them from somebody. But I I think they're probably whoever owns them is probably savvy enough to, to hold on tight. But if if you can grab them, those are the guys to grab.
0: Yeah. I mean, their ceiling is only going to go further up, right? Whether they're already doing this in bad offenses with bad quarterback play and, and in Pittsburgh's case, horrific offensive line play as well. So even if Pickens is just average, Pittsburgh will upgrade the offensive line, which will just in turn help the the whole passing offense. And it'll give Pickens more of an opportunity. Olave, you know, they'll upgrade at the quarterback position at some point. So the fact that they're doing this already and the best offensive skill player on their team is really saying something as young rookies for sure. I think you can make the case in fantasy. You'd rather have Olave or Pickens than any wide receiver that's going to come out this year. And I don't think it is a far-fetched statement at all, including Pickens, who didn't even have the round one draft capital. But that was more due to some other circumstances. Not Absolutely. his natural football talent. Fa- uh, Absolutely. Na- yeah, not his nat- natural football talent on the football field. Uh, as for Wanda, yeah, real buzzkill, you know, because he was finally being utilized. I, It, it kind of took them some time for him to get kind of embedded in the offense. Giants beat Raiders were kind of saying, like, this wasn't the role they really envisioned for him. They expected to be a much different style offense, not this, like, pound the rock 30 times a game, the Saquon 36, like two weeks ago. Like they expected to be a much more open field team and have a lot more three and four wide sets. Right. And they thought they were going to have a much better passing offense. And the thought Galladay was going to rebound this year and Tony was going to be there and Shepard was going to be there. And, and Wanda would have been a part of that. And it would have been a lot less to be accounted for because teams would have been focusing on those other guys and there would have been more parts of the field where he would have been more of that space player to do his best work and this really wasn't been the case he's ended up being the focal point of defenses in the passing game where there was like almost like bracket coverage inside because they knew that that was clearly the guy they the giants wanted to get the football to they haven't been able to really sp- spread the floor us uh, for well the floor spread the, spread the field much and do they did uh, this week they started doing them a a little bit on those like jet sweeps and touch passes. And I think that was going to continue to, to kind of expand and, and next year if they got the pass game going a little bit more, I thought you would have seen it. So now it's kind of back to the drawing board, you know, at this bet, this idea, unless the recovery goes really well, you're probably talking about maybe PUP to start the year or, or at least very slow to start the year. Uh, I don't think you could really count on him for fantasy next year. Like if you get something from him, great, you know, like, but I don't think you can go in the, the off season, your dynasty leagues thinking, oh, Wandell will be definitely back and be, you know, a fixture. And maybe if down the stretch, he became really good this year, you could have at least looked at him in the light of like a Hunter Renfro in PPR leagues and stuff like that. Now I I think it's kind of a little bit wait and see. I think the Giants are going to have a completely revamped room. Maybe they bring back Darius Slayton, who has shown some strides this year. But even if it's Slayton's back uh, and Wondell, they're going to have two or three other new receivers added to this mix. They're going to have, a am sure, a high-end draft pick, whether it's round one or round two. I'd expect them to go for somebody in free agency. They, they clearly got to upgrade this uh so yeah, I mean, if somebody's really down on Wandel and you could steal him for like a late 2 or 3rd round rookie pick, I I still would be about that because I'm I'm a fan of his game and I do think this draft class is, is pretty lackluster, especially at the receiver position. Uh but yeah, I I it's hard to, you know, it, it's definitely one of those things like you could easily get more excited for like the star running back, like a Brees hall. Cause you know, he's going to step right back in and get his role as the lead guy. The, the bell cow his injury was much earlier in the year. You know, we're looking at definitely potentially, you know, a partially lost season next year. And then you also question whether or not a guy who relies so much on his movement and his quickness, you know, if we've seen most guys come back fine with a torn ACL, but you never know until you know, right. So now you That's his element. Like, that's his bread and butter, the ability to change on a dime. You know, we saw Saquon here in New York. It it, it took over a year plus for him to really get comfortable with those, those sharp cuts and the movement stuff that we were accustomed to that's Wandell's game that's his whole game right he, he doesn't have size he doesn't have length you know his whole game is built upon quickness and and, and that so i think it's a, i think it's definitely something that really hurts and will see is all i can really kind of say there uh i'll take this right to the running back chef and then if you have anything you want to circle back on Wandell, feel free uh James Cook played a lot this past week, and it was in the third quarter where he made most of his things. They had some garbage time in the fourth quarter, but it actually was Singletary who came back in and mostly did the fourth quarter stuff. So it's interesting because I thought James Cook was was dead and buried for this season once they got Naheem Hines, who really hasn't became much of a factor there in Buffalo. And, And they saw what Cook brought to the offense. just a different element of speed and quickness and explosiveness in that third quarter. He ended up with 11 carries, 86 yards. I think we might slowly see cook integrated a little more. Like we always thought would could happen as the year went on. And then I, I think we thought the Naheem Hines thing would maybe have kind of put a stop to that because we thought that if he got involved, it would be more in the passing game. But maybe he's just going to get straight involved in the running game and just be that more explosive player to single Terry, a guy who could do more on the perimeter, more in space in the run game. Uh, so it's nice to kind of see this performance, for somebody like me who really is high on him and, and believes in the talent, I think if we see a couple more of these games, you can really start to believe that he could be more of a factor down the line in Dynasty, maybe not so much this year, uh, but more of a guy that you're excited to maybe get in the offseason and see where next year goes. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco played his best game. I mean, 15 carries, 107 yards. Clyde Everett helaires hurt now. Uh, Pacheco, his stock is on the rise. But I will say, as good as Pacheco looks down the stretch, Let's reel in expectations long-term. It's the same thing I wanted to bring up with Damian Pierce, who had his worst game of the season. Obviously, he's had a lot more success this year than Pacheco. Only this, only 10 carries, 8 yards this week. But again, my question, Jeff, that I kind of throw out there, and it could be about Pacheco, who is a 7th-round pick, and then it could also be about the 4th-round pick, and Damian Pierce who has been very good this year. How comfortable are you, if at all, investing in these guys, buying them after their rookie year or or right now with the mindset that they do have day three draft capital. Chiefs are going to do something with the running backs room and Houston could easily add another more explosive player to complement Pierce, but still Pierce has built his production. A lot of it in terms of being high end in fantasy is built on Touches, a lot, a lot of touches. And we're seeing what happened here with Najee Harris. I know different style player, different draft capital. I get all that. But I'd be a little bit leery as much as I've liked Damian Pierce, as much as I've enjoyed having him on t- teams this year. I Him or Pacheco wouldn't be guys that I'd be looking to actively buy. If anything, I'd be looking to sell in the offseason. Uh, where do you kind of stand the, on these two young running backs?
1: Hey, quick, James Cook, um, Naheem Hines, you know, thought, you know, somebody put it out there that, You know, Buffalo picked up Hines and he was the type of profile that they were looking for in the offseason. And they got James Cook and we didn't see James Cook a lot. Um, However, you know, Hines might not have been there to replace Cook. He's been there for his special teams availability. And that might really be what they were looking for. And that's the role he served for them. So this really could have been just nothing more than, you know, solidifying spots on the full 53 man roster for Buffalo and not an indictment on Cook and I think that's what we saw with 11 for 86 this past weekend. As to your question, yeah, I mean I have said it last few weeks, you know, he's always made me look silly cuz he's runs like a beast, but you know, I do I am still on team sell Damian Pierce and and you know, we can put Isaiah Pacheco in that mix as well. I'm um, not to say that they're not going to be valuable assets this year i mean if you're you know making a run for it then yeah sure i mean it's really hard to you know i think fantasy points are undervalued um you know for people projecting the future they, they think they can project the future so well and and they just ignore the fact that somebody's giving them a ton of fantasy points right now and and i'm always for that i mean look at travis kelsey right um but i do think If you can get a really good haul, like a first round pick for Damian Pierce, is still a deal that I'd do. I don't think you'll get that for Pacheco, but again, like trading them away and getting some some draft capital is is certainly in the realm of what I would entertain right now. Especially if I didn't need him for anything. I mean, Kansas City put in a claim for Eno Benjamin when he was cut. We have, I guess, Melvin Gordon cleared waivers, and and we'll see about uh, Darrell Henderson. But I don't, you know. Kansas City is, that move is basically them telling us that, one, they're not sold on CEH anymore. But two, that it's not only Isaiah Pacheco that they're really trusting or willing to trust for their entire season. And that says all you need to know about how far you want to invest in them, you know, for the future at least. And so, yeah, I mean, if you get a really good return, that's what you, that's what I'd do. I'll make one final note as far as the NFL rookie report goes, and that's just Jamison Williams, you know, set to return soon. We talked about how, you know, a Alave Pickens, like those are guys that you should just go get right now. I mean, we missed uh, Traylon Burks had his hundred yard game. I think, I think we missed that one. Yes, too, we got. But, a lot.
0: I, I forgot to put him on the spreadsheet because it was Thursday night. <laughs>
1: yeah, but but a big breakout there, yep. and, and and these, you know, Christian Watson has been, you know, you know, flashing even both his inconsistent traits and you know his ability to make absolutely big plays and you know I think if someone's been patient again they're probably willing you know they'll kind of keep holding Jamison Williams but that's the one guy that you know it's nobody nobody's had anything to hang their hat on they could be looking at all of these under wide receivers and they're like well man I wish I had that and and just be impatient about it and Jamison Williams could be everything that you know we're seeing out of Olave, out of Garrett Wilson, out of George Pickens, right? I mean, he was drafted to be that. You know, Detroit traded two picks to to trade up to him. And it's not like I expect Jared Goff to completely unlock him, but if he's every bit of the player that we thought going into draft cycle, like Olave is showing, it may not really matter. And this year is just sort of his run-up. So, I mean, that's one of those guys that, you know, you might have to spend a lot to get him. I'd I'd also probably take Jamison Williams over maybe not all of these 2023 wide receiver prospects. We'll we'll have to see how it lands with a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba and, you know, Quentin Johnston. But, I, I could really see, I, I mean, you know, he's got the draft capital. Yeah. You know, he's got the draft capital. I I don't think it's crazy to want Jamison Williams over any receiver in the 2023 class too.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I will say this. I know people are scared away sometimes by an, another good receiver being on a team. Not me. I think it helps. I think Jamison Williams being there will help him on Ross St. Brown stay consistently. Great. I think, Amon Ross St. Brown there will help Jamison Williams become great. I think having both of them there, The skill sets complement each other well in terms of where they win on the football field. Amon Ra's not really win vertically down the field. He's he's a great route runner, can do a lot of different things, but they complement each other well. If DJ Chark could actually play that other role really well, too, in terms of complementing him, but I'm not sure he's going to be back next year. It was just a one-year deal. It hasn't really gone too well. But yeah, I'm excited to see Jameson Williams kind of get ramped up as this year goes on. So let's spin this over to the final segment of the night. That's the NFL Dynasty stock report. A couple of things uh for us to hit upon. Kyle Pitts, torn MCL, MCL, not as severe as the ACL. My guess is the year's probably over for him. MCL sprains usually are four to five weeks. Uh my guess is with a torn MCL, probably some surgery needed. Uh I think it's a I think it's a tough question right at the top. And I don't know. If there's a there's a clear answer, but I I feel like by now, by the end of his second year, I think most people would have said, "Oh yeah, Kyle Pitts is clearly going to be the number one or number two tight end for Dynasty." But now you have Mark Andrews, and and you still have Travis Kelsey delivering, and you know, and, and there's still George Kittle and and Darren Waller. You know, I know he hasn't he's been hurt a lot this year, and you know, then you got some other guys, you know, like moving up the ranks. I don't, I don't know. I still would be all in them, but I could see other people who are a little bit quicker to make, you know, movements, maybe say, yeah, why is he up near the top of these rankings? Maybe he should be more with like Dallas Goddard and TJ Hawkinson. And I don't have statistics to really fall back on. It's just more the talent of the player because this year has been a very ho-hum year. And yeah, part of it's maybe the, the Atlanta offense, but but also like some of it falls on him, right? Like he in terms of earning targets and, and the beginning of the year when they weren't growing when they were growing more than now, he just wasn't even earning them as much. So I don't know. Where do you kind of stand on the Kyle Pitts? Would you still have him right up there in that mix with right after the Andrews and, and the top of that thing? Or do you think he should be a little bit more grouped with that next group of like the Goddard and the Hawkinson right now, you know, as basically we may have seen Kyle Pitts' second year now uh, conclude.
1: Yeah, I, I really wish I'd be able to attribute it to the right person on on Twitter, but you know, we knew Kyle Pitts would be an elite receiving profile. The thing is, you know, everybody sort of just immediately jumped on him being as an elite profile tight end receiver the next the next travis kelsey you know he's he's going to be the guy that hits you know five six you know tight end finishes in a row tight end one finishes in a row you know on the season and look i mean if we wanted to predict who the next kelsey would be like if there was any player that i could pick you know i think pitts really fits the bill maybe aside from mark andrews who's kind of on his way but if you wanted to bet that that was actually going to happen again, the bet's probably like no, it w- it won't happen again. You know, Travis Kelsey's a unicorn, and that's that's what we called Pits, and I still would be buying him. You know, if I wasn't a contender, you know, Kitts, uh, Kittle or uh, Kelsey for Pits is something you could do. Kittle for Pits is something that I think you do. Heck, if Goddard was playing, maybe as Hawkinson's playing well, you know, those guys for Pits might be something you pull off. You know, from a guy who absolutely needs to contend and is relying on, you know, basically nothing from the tight end position right now with them. So maybe this is that window that you can do. Just, just know that it's, isn't a sure thing, right? Like this isn't, you know, I am going to get the next Travis Kelsey. And and that's how he's been talked about. And, And we have to open up our minds to the possibility that the outcome isn't as certain as he's going to be great. And great equals this. Like, I think he's going to be great. And a great player doesn't necessarily exist as a top one or two tight end finish all the way through. Um, You know, I I thought that way about Kittle, right? I thought Kittle was going to be just, he was the next great thing. And he has been, you know, he's been an amazing tight end value, like one of the best tight ends in the league that doesn't mean he's been the best fantasy tight end for your team. And sometimes that talent doesn't translate into the fantasy points, you know, and I think Kelsey's kind of spoiled us to that fact.
0: Yeah. I I think, I think everything you said there is spot on. I I do. Uh, And it'll be interesting because this is not how Atlanta wants to play. I feel like they feel like they've, they've needed to this year. So you know, I, I still would be buying to be honest with you. Uh, you know, so we'll we'll kind of follow that closely and and, and see who's quarterback in their team next year and what changes Atlanta has. I'm sure there'll be some changes for sure. Let's take this over to some running back talk because I do think there's a couple interesting guys to bring up. I'm gonna say it again and I'll harp on this for a while. Another week, another Tony Pollard explosion. This is with Ezekiel Elliott back. I think he just continues to show the skill set that I'm, I'm betting that he's in the outlier mix of that guy who goes to another team or is a second contract breakout running back. I keep will say when I watch him play, I think there's a lot of Austin Eckler. I think there's a lot of Alvin Kamara to, to his game. I think Tony Pollard is going to be a guy who next year has a legit chance to be an RB1 in PPR leagues, if not a strong RB2 I, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Trappoti, who who's been a guest on here many times over the years, he he traded for him last week, I believe, and, and he had to give up a first round rookie pick, and it was a move to help him not only for now, but also more for next year. And I I said I'm probably not the right guy to to give you advice on this because I'm all in on Tony Pollard, so I would definitively give a late one a late round one rookie pick for Pollard because I believe he's going somewhere. Or whether it's in Dallas and they move on from Ezekiel Elliott, where he's going to be a guy who gets 15, 16, 17 touches a week. And on that production, on those touch level, I think he'll be an RB1. I still think the time is to buy him now. If you believe in him like me, then you go get him now. If you're more, you know, if you're a little lukewarm, then no, because it's still going to cost right now. I just don't think it's going to cost as much as if he gets that ideal spot or Dallas cut the cuts the cord. With Ezekiel Elliott, it only brings on and you know an average talent to to run with him. I think that general value will be higher in the in the in in March or April than it is right now. But part of it is you have to be all invested, a, as I am. Uh, Antonio Gibson back from the dead, and this is a, this is one that hurts me personally because I was all about Antonio Gibson, had him on tons of dynasty teams. I traded him away and got back anything I could earlier in the year when I thought he was on the verge of being basically in it and inactive because, you know, he wasn't really playing on special teams and I traded him for Juju Smith in one league. I traded him for a late second round rookie pick in another and I just cut cut bait with him. And now I wish I had him back. Most of those teams could use a running back, but he's finally being used correctly. And it was weird that it took Brian Robinson getting there him basically being demoted and benched and then coming back from that to be used as more of this space player, like three for 31 in the passing game, 18 for 72 rushing. They ran a lot last week. I understand that. Uh, But I think he's, I think that there's now a path for him being fantasy viable again. And it's going to be differently than what we saw the last couple of years. I think he is a guy who would be better suited to be a 12 touch, 13 touch type player, but four or five, you know, of those touches should be ideally in the passing game and then mixed in as the secondary runner on our team. But I do think that can bring value. So I think Antonio and he's very young still and still developing. So Antonio Gibson, I think is an interesting name that, if people are still all out on him, maybe now's the time to jump back in if you can get him for a pretty you know cheap deal, and maybe he could be an r b three ish type player uh with the passing game rule now involved, and then Josh Jacobs, you know great great statistical year i I was always a big fan of him, but I do wonder how the market and the industry who have not been fans of him will value this great year heading into free agency probably not back with Vegas. They didn't even, they didn't pick up the fifth year option. Does this year change the narrative? And then they try to bring him back anyway. Uh, Cause he's producing as a strong RB one. I don't think he's valued that way. He's still very young. It's not that he couldn't be valued that way in dynasty circles. I'm just curious to to, to see what the industry thinks of him. So Jeff, close it out basically tonight, you know, with your thoughts on somebody's running back before, you know, before I, fi- I round out the show.
1: Goodness, we're going to we're going to just keep fighting about Pollard, aren't we? And <laughs> and uh, you know, I, honestly, I i wrote down some notes for for what to say and and really, you know, my fantasy teams are where they are today and, you know, I'm sitting here where I am today because, you know, I've listened to you guys for a long time I've taken your advice and when you're out on a limb like this you're you've got a good track record so I'm still going to be that guy who paints and and kind of tempers the excitement there and still thinks yeah I mean maybe even he hits that path that you're talking about but this looks like a Kenyon Drake kind of thing you know when he he moved midseason to Arizona and you know had a great season there and kind of let off you know, the next season as, you know, a lead, you know, lead guy and a lead asset, but before kind of fading off again, that's where I see it. That's my, that's my tempered excitement, but you know, you guys have a track record that has served you and me very well. (laughs) And so I don't think it is crazy, you know, to go out and do what you're like first round pick for Tony Pollard. There's a lot of opportunity where that makes sense. Me in my mind, I don't, think tony pollard and josh jacobs are that far off in value and you know even if josh jacobs is doing really well i you know again i think there's just an excitement for tony pollard he's a guy people love to love and want to see get work and he's been doing that and so the hype's there and josh jacobs is a guy that just is so boring <laughs> but I, I mean not to me but just you know he's just one of those guys out there he's kind of like uh you know, that golden tate or you know, Tyler Lockett, you know, just people are just like tired of him now. And I mean, I think he's only ever been a running back one in in Vegas since he was drafted. And he was my running back one in the class. And I was, you know, I think he has an extremely well-rounded skill set. We've seen him catch passes even in Vegas too. I'd almost rather him not go back there. Like Vegas looks like a train wreck, and he's still producing, but you know they don't want him, and and I'd love for him to go to a place where he can actually be, you know, used and featured. I, I mean, let's just say I'm I'm a big J.K. Dobbins fan too, so I I don't want this to happen. But you know, if J.K. Dobbins wasn't wasn't there in Baltimore, like get him to a in a place like Baltimore, you know, get him to a place like the Jets, get him to a place like you know San Francisco, just somewhere where. They just want to ride a guy who's extremely talented and, you know, Baltimore would be like my, my dream landing spot, except it's already covered by a guy I absolutely love in JK Dobbins that I'm actually hopeful that we get back to, you know, at some point this season, but I still think Jacobs can go to a place and, and be a really good player. And if we were going to spend a first, I'd rather spend it on Jacobs and Tony Pollard personally, because, I just I believe in in him as a talent and as in as a player who can shoulder handle and demand the opportunities that lead to fantasy points better than Pollard who who's going to rely on those explosive plays and has been able to show that he could do that but I just think you'll you'll kind of see a, a staying power to Josh Jacobs the kind of the same way you're seeing a staying power to Nick Chubb. One final thought just to color a little bit of the commentary on antonio gibson uh mckissick had a ir stint from a neck injury and so they're down to two backs that they trust and and that's part of the reason that they get to use gibson more and hey i mean i love the stat line but look it's houston like they mm-hmm. give it they give it up to everybody there and so i do think you know gibson's one of those guys too you know he's only ever really been productive when you've given him the chance and the opportunities but i'm so much less certain about about his future and you know what it's what his you know what his nfl career is going to look like than a guy like Josh Jacobs i still think Gibson can be a valuable piece for fantasy in in this year but i don't think washington's enamored with him you know i think i think they're kind of they're using him because they need to, but and he's doing well, and they're making a push. But I don't think that you know they see him as a guy that they want to build their team around.
0: No, they're you're spot on there. I don't think I don't think that's it at all. I think that the case for Gibson is more that his value went so low, and if it's still relatively m- low in in dynasty circles, maybe he's an interesting guy to get. So if another team believes in Antonio Gibson a little bit more. We'll see where it goes. So I'm thinking, if a team's willing to give him up for a third round rookie pick, sure, I'll take him on. Oh, that's not going to happen. I'd rather
1: Tony Pollard. I I can say that. I'd rather (laughs) Tony Pollard.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, but but I do think I do think his stock had got really low. Now I think it's probably back on the move. Earlier in the year, I was surprised I even got a second round rookie pick for Antonio Gibson. I was surprised I got Juju Smith for him. You know, just because of how this was one like he was basically Brian Robinson was one week away from coming back. They were using like Jonathan Williams. So I'm not sure they love him or maybe they finally realized we have now put him in a situation of how he could be successful. AKA we don't need JD McKissick. Antonio Gibson could fill that role and be a part-time runner. So I don't think he's there for the long haul. I, I, but I do think this, what he's done now might open the door for a second team to be like, yeah, he's finally being utilized the way he should be. We're going to bring him here and utilize him like that. Like, like, I don't think it's inconceivable. A team looks at Antonio Gibson and sees what Cordell Patterson has done down the stretch of his career. and, and, And obviously Antonio Gibson's a lot younger and think, Oh, look what Patterson has done when he got put into the right situation and utilized correctly. Maybe Gibson could be that for us. When the time comes, he's still got another year, I think at least one more year on his rookie contract. So I don't think Washington's giving him away anytime soon. He's a cheap player on a day two rookie contract. So it'll be a while before he's he's free, but I think he's an interesting guy. I'm with you with Josh Jacobs. I want Josh Jacobs to go to a new home. Baltimore would be pristine. J.K. Dobbins coming up on his last year. I don't think they're going to give him a second contract based on all the injuries he's had. Tony Pollard on the flip side, I don't want him to go anywhere. I actually want him to stay, you know, selfishly, I'd want him to get out of Dallas because, you know, I think he's a really good player and I'd rather not have to face him as a Giants fan, but I actually, I'm hoping Dallas moves on from Elliott and Pollard stays right where he is because I do think this offensive coordinator, is really Kellen Moore who I think is a great play caller and and designer. I think he's really starting to find his uh, groove and rhythm in terms of utilizing Tony Pollard, uh, and we saw what it did this week in terms of the whole offense, and you know, whatever they scored forty something points against Minnesota, they're gonna they're gonna just give lay the wood down on the Giants on Thanksgiving, ruin the, the ruin the second part of the holiday for me. After dinner, I'll sit down and watch that game. It's it's not gonna be pretty this upcoming week for sure. So yeah, I'm right there with you, Jacobs. I'd like to go somewhere else. I will say I do slightly think that Jacobs should be valued more in in, in dynasty circles as over Pollard as well. Uh, does not deter my love for Pollard, but I do like Jacobs a little bit more because I think, like you said, he he could command even a larger work share uh, than a guy like Pollard would. So we'll follow these guys. We'll talk more about Tony Pollard, I'm sure, uh, down the stretch. And then obviously during the off offseason will be the big moments where we kind of see what Dallas chooses to do with Ezekiel Elliott, with Tony Pollard, and that'll open up another whole can of discussions. So, If you're enjoying what Jeff and I are putting out here, please get over to the website, SS football fastest, quickest, easiest way to get there. Check out the premium content tab. And for nine 99, you get access to all of our premium notebooks. I am planning over the next four or five days to totally revamp the dynasty, uh, positional rankings, re update the draft eligible rankings, uh, update, you know, now three quarters of the way almost through or a little bit more than halfway through the NFL season, update my rookie rankings for the NFL rookies, uh, a lot of updates coming to the rankings notebook, changes to the scouting notebook, players will be added, things will be updated uh, as we go to the home stretch of the college football season as well. And then you get the draft projections notebook in April as well. That's way to support the show and help us continue to do what we are doing here. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.